Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and today I'm happy to have Paul Sharasky, who's the founder of R3 Printing, who grew up with a passion for invention and automation with Thomas Edison as his role model. And Morgan Stanley was instrumental in developing macros that cross-check his entire team's work in an otherwise manual and error-prone environment. He was then recruited to work in the technology division of the world's largest hedge fund, where he then architected behind a firm-wide overhaul of automated alerting capabilities. Paul is the inventor behind the patent-pending features that made Azure Printer the on-demand manufacturing platform of the, of the future. Paul is the alumnus of uh, Fordham University. Uh, he's done his uh, graduation in engineering. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, uh, so you know, you you work with Morgan Stanley, then you work, work in the hedge fund. What what made you you know get into the crazy world of entrepreneurship? Um, I really wanted some real world experience. Um, so right after, uh, college, so actually during my senior year in college is when we founded, uh, Dan and I started our first business, which was a 3d printing service. Um, and we were doing quite well. Um, but you know, we really, we were inexperienced, right? We were fresh out of college. Um, and I wanted to see, you know, how, how these big businesses operate themselves and how they manage to scale up and maintain their scale through time. Uh, you know, Morgan Stanley is an old institution, same with uh, Bridgewater, which is the hedge fund I worked at, you know, founded in the 70s um, and still one of the top performing firms. So I wanted to see how these companies uh, become so successful and maintain their success. Um, and I, I found that the finance industry was very open to uh, people with an engineering mindset. Um, so I was able to find a job there. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really how it came to be. I got it. And, and how did you meet Dan, your co-founder? We went to school together. So Dan was one year ahead of me. Um, and we met, we both worked for Fordham IT. Um, interestingly enough, uh, at R3 Printing, I'm the technical co-founder. Um, he's more of the business development side. Um, but when we worked at Fordham IT, he was doing the support um, and I was consulting for their branding. Uh, you know, they had kind of an old image um, and I was in charge of, you know, overhauling how they looked, you know, changing their marketing material and all that stuff. Um, so we met as colleagues, essentially, in school. Got it. And uh, so, so, you know, essentially, uh, uh, you know, uh, author printing is, is a way to enable mass customization of prices, which can, you know, compete with mass production. So, um, uh, so you know, what sort, of, what sort of products can, you know, somebody, uh, you know, a, a company can make on, on author printer? Yeah, so the right now, uh, when we launch the product, it'll be mostly plastics. Um, okay. So anything that could be made in some type of flexible plastic or hard plastic um, is something that our 3 printer can make. Um, eventually, we're hoping, you know, if we have enough funding, uh, we should be able to do something like other companies like Desktop Metal have done, uh, which is enable uh, metal 3D printing uh, through some additional processes, but it should still be possible using R3 printer. Um, so for example, like uh, when, when I give the example of R3 printer being a platform, uh, you know, we're picturing someone has an entire fleet of these things and they're able to offer, let's say, customized ergonomic mice, right? Let's say you're a gamer, you're just someone like me who spends a lot of time at the computer, you invest in an ergonomic mouse to save your hand and they're great, they're fine. Uh, but 
if you can get something 3D printed that, you know, fits your hand a little bit better, uh, everyone's hands are big, small, you know, different, um, you know, that's a better world to live in. So we're really hoping that, um, you know, once, once our product's on the market, um, the cost of 3D printing will be low enough such that, you know, an er a good ergonomic mouse nowadays is, let's say, $100. If you want to do the same thing, it would have to be custom made. It would probably be a $500 mouse. I want the custom version to also be $100. So you can choose between something cheap and mass produced, or you can have the custom version for what you would otherwise have a, a non-custom version today. Okay. And, and, uh, and do you worry that, you know, China can produce you know, 3D printers uh, are at a cheaper cost and, you know, to, to scale it up from there. So it's about, um, that's true. And that's already the case. You can buy uh, a 3D printer manufactured overseas for cheaper than you can buy a typical American made one. Um, however, those printers are not designed in a way that's scalable to run a business. Um, and we actually, we use those printers. So we started out with MakerBot um, 3D printers and those were kind of high cost. So we switched to a, uh, you know, alternative and we were having trouble scaling our service uh, just like everyone else. Um, so our product is like a business facing product um, specifically designed for people who are trying to maintain profitability while offering 3D printing services. Got it. And, and who are your competitors, uh, you know, in this, uh, in this segment? Uh, so there's a few. So we're placing ourselves between the prosumer and the enterprise category. Uh, in the prosumer category, you have companies like uh, Ultimaker, you have Dremel, uh, you know, those are the prosumer level um, companies. And then at the high end, you have Stratasys is a great example of an enterprise 3D printer. So our product is gonna go right in the middle um, gearing a little bit more towards the enterprise. So it'll probably be, it will be a little bit more expensive um, than your prosumer printers, um, but it'll be cheaper than the Stratasys. And what we're trying to do is effectively give you um, the best of both worlds. So we're gonna give you the features that you need as a business to scale your operation and run a lot of 3D printers with not as much staff um, as you would need with you know, consumer grade printers. Um, but we won't gouge you on material prices. Uh, we're going to enable extra software features that you can build off of, um, unlike Stratasys and you know the other enterprise-grade printers. And, and and what are the price points for for you know enterprise as well as for uh, for the prosumer uh, uh, your printers? So uh, can you say that again? What are the best points? Uh, what are the price points uh, for you know both segments? Sure. So most prosumer printers, um, the, the higher end ones, the ones that are really worth getting are around six to $7,000. Um, the Stratasys machines, I believe, start at 12000 for the low end ones. Um, we are going to make sure that our free printer hits the market below the $10,000 mark. Um, however, we'll basically give you, um, you know, by buying an R3 printer, it's like getting a higher end Stratasys, so you'll have a, you know, that same quality, that same speed um, with an unlocked material supply, you'll be able to print bigger um, and you'll have the advanced software features that you won't have in the cheaper prosumer ones. So it's gonna be the best of both worlds. Um, and our product design is mainly to make ourselves hands down the no brainer. If you wanna run a business, you buy R3 printer. 
Current and uh, you know how did you acquire customers and you know uh, are, are you focusing on B two C or more enterprise uh, markets? We're a hundred percent B two B. So we our customers are businesses, and uh, one of the great things about uh, what we did before this, which was running a three D printing service, is we we were in a past life our current customers, right? Uh, you know, we ran a service, we were buying printers, uh, and we were struggling with scale. So we know a lot of the people that we were competing with, obviously, those are now going to be our customers. Um, and we also know exactly the pain points. So we're designing, we're solving the problems that we had, uh, which is the same problems that others had. So our initial target market um, is pretty open. We're going to solve all their, all their needs. Um, and then after that, we'll be able to scale up to, let's say, bigger firms and, you know, bigger enterprises like universities and such. But we're going to start out, um, you know, targeting those 3D printing service business, also called on-demand manufacturers, and we'll scale up from there. Okay. And, and uh, how many customers do you have currently? So our 3D printer isn't on the market yet. Um, it's okay. launching at the end of the year. Um, we have four beta testing partners. Um, and we also are partnering with the Air Force. Um, so that's another prospective beta testing partner. Um, so our 3 printer is not on the market yet. It's coming okay. at the end. Oh, okay, got it. And, and uh, do you have a plan on how to get your you know, first, say, 100, 100 uh, customers on board? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we already have a, a sales pipeline on board. So if you, if you look at our Republic page, um, there are, I think, 370 uh, you know, businesses in just the U.S. and Canada. So we're, gonna, we're obviously a, a New York-based, you know, U.S.-based company. Um, so we're going to start you know, where it's closest to us for you know, keep things simple logistically. Um, and we already have that list of customers. Um, and you know, our beta testing partners are constantly asking us, hey, when's this thing going to be ready? When's this thing going to be ready? Um, these people really want our product. So uh, we're, we're excited to give it to them. Okay, and, and when you talk about 3D printing, what, what is, uh, you, know, you know, suppose you, you sell it to a company like Microsoft or uh, Oracle for that matter, or what, uh, you know, when, you, when you talk about plastics, what is the one thing, you know, they would want to, to replicate? Is it, is it uh, you know, accessories, laptop accessories or anything in particular? Um, so I don't know about Oracle or Microsoft, um, but let's say, let's say they were our customers or just any large enterprise um, it would probably be right now it's still prototype parts, uh, primarily, okay. right? So let's say they're designing a new type of server or a new type of, uh, you know, you know, network accessory. Um, they would probably want to 3d print the chassis of it, right? Just boom, hit print. Um, and then they have, you know, something to plug their electronics into, and that's a beta testing unit for them. Um, longer term, we're seeing a lot of customers, um, start to make end use parts. So things that are actually sold, you know, to consumers that they use. Um, and that's really exciting as well. But that's definitely a newer part of the industry, um, but it's rapidly growing. And, and how much time would it take for, you know, somebody to create a chassis or, or on the product? Uh, it would depend on to, to print it on R3 printer. Uh-huh, okay. Um, uh, to print it, uh, it would depend on the size. Um, something about... Uh, the size of, let's say, a shoebox um, right. would probably miles per hour. Yeah, it would probably take like twelve to fourteen hours. Um, well, you know, depending. It also depends a lot on your setting. So the reason the reason why that question is so difficult is 
Um, it depends on whether or not this is a solid or hollow object. Obviously, hollow objects uh, take much less time to print um, and like the, the intricacy. But let's say it's just a, a semi-solid rectangle, uh, it'll probably be 12 hours. Um, and then if it's a little more intricate, um, probably add a couple hours on top of that. Got it. And you know, you talked about Republic, and uh, you know, uh, I, I've invested in into India company through the Republic platform. But uh, why did you choose you know a crowdfunding platform like Republic? And why not go through the angel route and you know uh, look at the traditional VC route? Yep. So something that we've noticed is there's been a change in the market landscape for uh, early stage fundraising and startups. Um, so it used to be a couple of years ago, let's say, if you had some type of prototype, um, some type of business plan that you can usually raise a little bit of uh, angel capital. Uh, what we've noticed is that has moved upstream where a lot of angels now what they do is they group together in things called syndicates um, and yeah. they will together act like a, a small VC firm and they will invest in later stage companies, maybe even a series A. That usually... Right. You know, a couple of years ago, that wasn't a thing. You know, Series A was a solid VC thing. Um, now everything has kind of shifted a little bit, um, which has left a little bit of a gap, which is what Republic is stepping in. Um, so both on top of the, the Jobs Act, which, you know, made it possible, um, as well as that shift in, in the funding landscape. Um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to, to raise on Republic, and it seems to be doing quite well so far. Okay, and you know, I I also realized that you you got into the ocean accelerator, uh, uh, you know, which is the incubator. Yes. Yep. So we were there last year um, okay. until May twenty eighteen. Yep. Got it. And 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 is the incubator a like Y combinator where they take a part of the equity and they they. Uh, they fund you and, um, you know, they help you out in, uh, in physical products? Correct. Yep. So they, they give you a, uh, a convertible note, just like Y Combinator, um, that upon, you know, a, a trigger round would convert into equity, um, you know, obviously in exchange for funding up front. And yeah, they have a great program that really helps companies develop, uh, hone their pitch, hone their customer discovery process. You know, we definitely weren't as mature um, as we are now when we're in their when we were in their program. So I, I highly recommend uh, accelerators as another route for early stage startups. Got it. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, as a founder, how important is you know product market to to founder fit? Uh, you know, uh, you know, lot of startups look at at a product market fit, but but what do you think a founder uh, a market fit is is also important? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's actually, I, I love that phrase. I'm, I'm totally going to use it. I'll give you credit um, <laughs> if that's your, your phrase. But yeah, founder market is <laughs> absolutely um, important. I mean, so 3D printing is very close to me because uh, when I was little, I wanted to be an inventor. You know, I, I thought Thomas Edison was my role model. And yeah. I was always, you know, making gadgets and, you know, I would like, quote unquote, sell it to my parents and they, you know, pay me money for it as a kind of form of allowance and encourage me. But I never thought of anything good. Um, and the reason why I became good with computers is because, you know, I, I don't have good hands. Uh, you know, I can't draw well um, and I, I can't make anything well. Uh, but if I can, you know, design it on a, on a computer and then print it, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually pretty good. 
Um, so 3D printers, you know, weren't, they existed, but the, the, they were $100,000 machines back then. Um, so this project is definitely something near and dear to my heart. Um, so, you know, when I'm pulling all-nighters, when I'm, you know, working, you know, long weeks uh, to make this dream happen, it's not really, you know, work for me. It's a passion project. Um, so I think if you're starting a company, it has to be, it can't just be a business for you. It almost has to be like a, a cause you believe in. You're fighting for something. Uh, and for me, it's, you know, fighting for customization and for on-demand manufacturing being, you know, as cheap as, you know, spinning up a server in the Amazon cloud. I think that's what we need. Got it. And, you know, after you raise, raise funding from, uh, uh, from the platform, uh, what, what is the money uh, going to be used for? Sure. So uh, in this round, we are using it to finish a process called design for manufacturer, also sometimes referred to as design for assembly. So what that is, uh, is when you take your, your hardware product design and you tweak it to make it either easier for the factory to manufacture. Um, so, you know, if something is CNC now, maybe you can change it to be a plastic part and make it injection molded. Um, if something is 3D printed, um, you know, 3D printing isn't cheap yet, you know, our product isn't on the market. If something is 3D printed, maybe you can make it CNC. Um, so that lowers the cost of the, the product, which helps us price it more aggressively. Um, so, you know, we want to keep it under 10, 10K, which we can, but maybe we can make it even further down, you know, 10K, maybe we, we can make it 9K. Um, and, you know, that also helps margins, which helps our, our business be sustainable in the long term. So uh, those optimizations, unfortunately, take a lot of time and a lot of money because you're ordering revisions and revisions with little tweaks. Um, and, you know, one-off prototypes are, are always expensive. So um, that's one of the things. And then the second thing is, you know, scaling up uh, for the business development. You know, right, right now, uh, Dan is the only, uh, quote-unquote, salesperson uh, at R3 Printing, you know. Uh, when we're ready to sell a product, you know, we need more than one, just one person, you know, we're going to have to have a sales team. Um, so we're going to be hiring there. Uh, we're going to have to hire for a customer support, you know, when people get their printer and something's wrong with it, they don't know how to change the settings, uh, you know, who do they call? Um, so a lot of those things when you're you know, launching a product, uh, that's what we're going to use the capital for. Got it. And, and uh, you know, do you have any, any big investor along with, you know, the, uh, other angel investors from where from where you raising funds from? Uh, so I wouldn't want to disclose uh, any particular investor uh, because they, they usually like to keep their privacy. Um, right. But yeah, we, we have uh, great interest from you know the angel networks in you know Manhattan in the West Coast. So uh, you know there's there's great things happening. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw our Republic page, but it definitely jumped up significantly uh, in the past few days, and that that was definitely uh, in part due to, you know, higher level investors who are coming in at, at larger quantities, um, you know, being interested in our company and our vision. Okay. And uh, who else is in our team other than Dan and, and you? Yeah. So we, we have a great team. Um, so other than me, there's Sarah Pavis. Um, she's a mechanical engineer. She has over 10 years of experience um, and she's really instrumental in uh, you know, the design for manufacturer process. Uh, we also have Petra Wood. Uh, she's advising us on brand and digital marketing. She used to be in media. Uh, she worked at ABC, at Le Left Field Pictures. Now she's at a company that uh, um, specializes. Oh, I think I've lost you. Oh, uh, can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me now? 
No worries. Uh, where, where did I leave off? Did you hear Sarah's? Yes, I did. All right. So next up is Petra Wood. Um, so she's helping us with branding and digital marketing. Uh, you know, she has experience in media, ABC, uh, also in digital marketing. Uh, you know, she, she used to work for really big clients, uh, helping them, you know, create digital ads on the internet. That's obviously extremely helpful to us. Um, we have a patent and trademark attorney. We have advisors to help us with our defense industry engagement. As you know, uh, we're partnering with the Air Force. Um, you know, we definitely need, you know, that's a whole new world. You know, once you understand how to talk to VCs, how to find VCs, uh, you know, how to talk to government people um, is like a whole separate bubble. So we have people helping us there. Um, and then we have Lennon Gray, you know, uh, Lennon Ray, sorry, uh, you know, Len is helping us on strategy. Um, he was a, uh, a general counsel for Interplay Ventures. Uh, Ray is a serial entrepreneur with lots of experience, uh, especially with raising venture capital. So we have a lot of people behind us uh, that are helping making this thing happen. Well, you know, I also thought that you were part of the launch festival. So, so did you get funding from uh, the launch incubator or were you, were you part of, uh, you know, presentations for the launch festival? So we weren't funded uh, by launch per se. Um, okay. So last year, as a result of our Republic raise being so successful, um, right. we were invited to pitch in Sydney, Australia. Um, and oh. that was uh, with a partnership with Republic. And then we were also in San Francisco pitching as well. So we didn't, we didn't get funded per se, but we were definitely sponsored to uh, you know, attend their events. Very, very nice. And uh, you know, so let's, do, let's quickly do the top three. What's your favorite business book? So my favorite business book is a book called Hard Drive. Um, it's about the early days of uh, Microsoft. Uh, and it was, it was published in, in the 90s. So if you find it on Amazon, you'll have to buy it used. Uh, and the reason why I love it is a lot of books nowadays, um, you know, they kind of gloss over like the difficulties. Um, you know, they, they paint a rosy picture of like, oh, he was destined for success. You know, look at, look at this billionaire. Um, and that book really shows um, you know, just the hard work and like all the late nights and, you know, what, what Bill uh, Gates had to do uh, to position himself for success and, you know, how long of a strategy it was. That, that was also one of the things that illuminated uh, for me is, you know, this wasn't, it wasn't luck. Um, it wasn't, you know, an overnight thing. It's, you know, he was playing a chess game the whole time that took, you know, years, decades to, to play out, to bring Microsoft where, you know, where it was, you know, when he last left it. Um, so I love that book. I think it's a, a great read. Yeah, but in fact, you know, somebody asked Bill Gates, what, what, what has been your biggest success? How did you become so successful? So he said, focus. And, and that's what Warren Buffett said, because, you know, it's 30 years of focus is what made him uh, the world's richest man, but uh, yeah, but, but there's another book, you know, which is hard things about hard things. Uh, a lot of founders uh, equate that uh, uh, to you know the hardships about entrepreneurship, which uh, which uh, you know media doesn't doesn't talk doesn't uh, really talk about. Uh, amazing, you know, we'll put that in the show notes. You know, if you could go back in time when you started working on uh, on a business, what is the one thing you would have focused on? Um. I would have focused on finishing components one by one. Um, I think when, when we first started, I was definitely, you know, I had this big vision for, you know, the product's going to do this, this, and this. And I was definitely, you know, switching between components. All right, let's do the print head for a little bit. Let's do the Z axis for a little bit. And I, I kept, 
you know, bouncing these ideas around in my head. Um, and eventually, like, it all got done. Um, I think what, what made things difficult is, you know, when we talk to prospective investors or even people who are just interested in us, they say, like, okay, what, what's done? Um, and nothing was done. Uh, everything else was kind of just, you know, moving forward. Um, so that was, that was surprising to me because, you know, uh, on one hand, you kind of understand that, uh, you know, it, the product will get done eventually. You know, it doesn't matter if, you know, part A is done and part B is still in progress. Um, but I guess people really attach to that, you know, when they, they thought that things were moving too slowly because nothing was done um, when in fact, you know, everything was progressing exactly as expected. So that's, you know, my advice to anyone who's, who's building a product, especially one that has multiple pieces. Um, if you can, uh, you know, finish components, you know, finish the pieces of it one by one, um, even if that's not how you prefer to work, uh, somehow that just translates into uh, traction and progress better for people who are, you know, following your story. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurship can, can be overwhelming. So, uh, so, so that's a great advice. And uh, do you have any favorite online tool? For example, Gmail or Slack? <laughs> Google Calendar. Um, I know that's an oddball, but I use it for everything. I use it to uh, remember when things are happening. I have tasks every day that I check off. Um, you know, and another tool that I really like is Boomerang. Uh, it's a extension uh, that you can install. It works with Gmail. And basically, if you send an email to someone, um, you can say, you know, mark this as unread in my inbox. In you know, if I haven't received a response in three days, uh, it's super helpful for you know, if you ask someone a question uh, and they don't get back to you, so that way you don't forget and you can follow up with them. Because uh, at the end of the day, in entrepreneurship, you know, if someone doesn't do their job. Um, it's still on you to make sure it gets done, uh, you know, through hell or high water. So that, that's been super helpful to me. Got it. And what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about the Republic uh, campaign? I would say um, just ask a question on the discussion page. Um, you can absolutely do that. Uh, I think that's the best way to do it because we, we check that um, religiously. Like we get back to our, our Q&A section within 24 hours. Um, which is a really high standard to keep. So yeah, I would say just reach out to us on Republic. Um, you know, there's obviously a, a contact form on our website if you have some some different questions not related to uh, the raise on Republic. But if it's uh, connected to the raise, um, definitely just shoot us a message there. Yeah, and and how can people reach out to you through Twitter, LinkedIn? Say that again. Yeah, uh, you know, what, what is the best way people can reach out to you? Uh, Oh, email, email is 100% the best. Um, okay. So you'll find a, a, a contact form on the website that goes straight to me and Dan. Um, and email is the best. Got it. Yeah, uh, uh, thank you, Paul, for coming on to the show and best of luck for your public campaign. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and you know, good luck with the podcast and uh, everything with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.